Good morning. So I'm going to read from Matthew 27, 45 to 61. So Matthew 27, 45 to 61. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the way until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, bottom. and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the son of God. There were also many women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it out in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite the tomb. As we open God's word this morning, we're going to focus in on Isaiah 53. The words that we have shared and read, read out together. So join with me as we pray. Father, please open up your word. Help us to hear what you'd have us to hear. Help us to see what you'd want us to see. And Lord, help us to remember what we might have even forgotten. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of us, maybe many of us, will be familiar with the name A.W. Tozer. He's written a lot of books. He once wrote, and here's a quote from him, the vague and tenuous hope that God is too kind to punish the ungodly has become a deadly opiate for the consciences of millions. The vague and tenuous hope that God is too kind to punish the ungodly has become a deadly opiate for the consciences of millions. It's true. You talk to people and talk to them of a day of judgment. And if you'd ask them if they're innocent or guilty, people would still say guilty, but then they say, but God won't punish me. There's still this sense that God is too kind to punish the ungodly, even when they readily acknowledge they're sinners. Sinners who have rebelled against God. Maybe that's what you were like too once, if you can remember. Remember the time before you knew the Lord where you thought, my sin doesn't matter. And even if I face God one day, I'm going to heaven. Children are taught that from the cradle. You die, you go to heaven. 
But today we're going to remember Christ's death. That's what we've come to do, his death on the cross. And one thing that the cross of Jesus makes abundantly clear is that God must punish sin. When the day of judgment comes, our denial, people's denial, will be overcome by reality. When God does judge sinners and cast sinners into hell, that those who have put their trust in Jesus, who belong to him, he will be their refuge on that day. God's wrath will have been taken away on account of what he did on the cross. And that's what I want us to be reminded of this morning. The sure and certain hope we have of the forgiveness of sins, that there is no condemnation of those in Christ Jesus and the promise of eternal life. And so three things to remember. Firstly, something about you and me. A reminder that by nature, we are not good people. By nature, we are not good. Secondly, something about God is that he's just. And so he will punish people for their sins, even send them to hell. But at the cross, his justice is satisfied. And then thirdly, a reminder for us to give thanks and to give God the glory. So firstly, let's remember that by nature, we are not good people. We need to remind ourselves of this if we're going to keep clinging to the cross. Isaiah 53 makes it quite clear again and again and again. It uses words like we are transgressors. We are full of iniquity. We have fallen short. We are sinners. Most people want to push back at that statement. I think most of us here this morning, if not all of us, won't push back at that statement. But sometimes we can still be uncomfortable if that statement's made clear. People by nature are not good. Jesus reminds us, Jesus gives us a definition of what it is to be good. When a young man came to him, he said, no one is good except God. God alone is good because God alone is without sin. And the Bible says we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. And so there is no one good, not even one. In the days that have gone past, churches were, would have the Ten Commandments around the church and they are helpful for us to keep remembering because they remind us that we are not good. They remind us of why we need the cross of Jesus. And so let's consider five of them afresh this morning. If you remember the first commandment, you shall have no other God before me. This is because there is no other God. God is God alone. He's our creator. And yet how do we fall short? How do we miss the mark? We readily ignore God. We readily fill our lives with other things that we want to worship and give our heart to. Today, people much rather, and they much rather do it because they, would, they love it, their lifestyles, their sporting heroes, their rock stars, their movie stars, their hobbies, their false religions, even themselves. People love more than God. They have no thought of God. God should have first place in our hearts. Anything that is in front of him is an idol. And so by nature, we're all guilty of loving things before God. By nature, we're all idolaters at heart. The third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. 
For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who takes his name in vain. Taking God's name in vain means treating his name as worthless. And if you meditate on this commandment, this is the one that probably indicts us the most. Australians do it all the time in one way of treating God's name as worthless. God or Jesus is just used as a substitute for a swear word. Even for little children, you walk around the streets, you're at the shops, you'll hear them take God's name in vain. Every time people say, and this can happen in the church, oh my God, they're lessening the value of God because they're just a throwaway line. I heard a man once say, no one would think to use their mum's name as a swear word, but no one has a second thought of using God's name. Every time someone is ashamed of Jesus, in whatever way, they treat his name as worthless. They break the third commandment. It's serious, it's blasphemy, and we're all guilty of being blasphemes. What are the sixth commandment? You shall not murder. Remember what the Bible tells us? Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. In God's eyes, when your heart is full of hate for someone, you're no better than Cain who killed his brother. You're guilty of the same sin. It would be rare to find a person who hasn't at some point in their life experienced hate for someone. Detest. So on the whole, we're guilty of being murderers. Seventh commandment. We shall not commit adultery. That commandment means you should not act sexually in any way outside of the covenant of marriage. In any way, all sexual activity outside of marriage is unfaithfulness to the marriage bed. Jesus said, if you just look at someone with lust in your heart, you break the seventh command. So too, I will say, we're all guilty of being adulterers. One more. Ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Simply put, don't lie. That means every time we speak, we should tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. When we don't tell the whole truth, we tell a partial truth, it's a lie because we're reshaping the truth. And if we don't tell the truth, it's a straight out lie. Any massaging of the truth to cover ourselves in any way, shape or form is bearing false witness. We've all done it. We're all guilty of being liars. We have all broken God's laws. By nature, we are not good. By nature, we are idolaters and blasphemers and murderers and adulterers and liars. We might not want to hear that. Even as a Christian, that can make us feel uncomfortable. But it's true. And as Isaiah 53 verse 6 said, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And so this morning now, let's remember that God is just. God is just. If we're honest and admit we're sinners and we're still bearing our sin, we should be very concerned. Very unsettling. 
Because any idea that God won't punish sin is a lie of the devil that's been there since the garden. God is just, he must, and he will punish sin. Which means he will punish you and me if we still bear our sin. God has said the wages of sin is death. Those who die in their sin will end up in hell forever. Hell is a real place. If we to rejoice today and realize why Good Friday is so good, we have to acknowledge hell. Jesus says you do not want to go there. He says if your eye causes you to sin, it would be better to pluck it out and go to hell. Or if your hand causes you to sin, it would be better to cut it off than let it lead you into sin and go to hell. Hell is a real place, a conscious place of everlasting punishment. Jesus says in hell, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. To remind his people of the seriousness of sin, God gave sacrifices. One was that people had to offer a lamb as a sacrifice for their sin. The lamb would die so the sinner could live. Every time a lamb was slaughtered, as part of the sacrifice, it was reminded to the person that that should be them. And when you read Leviticus, you find that you are the one who had to slaughter the lamb. It wasn't something the priest had to do. You had to do it. Every sin is an offense against God. Every sin. And God has said the wage for every sin is death. But sacrificing lambs couldn't take away sin. But God was using it as a picture, an illustration of what he was going to do one day. One day of how he was going to save his people from their sins. And on that day, that was Good Friday. That's the day we have come to remember today. Jesus is the Lamb of God. When John saw him, he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. On Good Friday, Jesus was sacrificed for the sins of his people. On Good Friday, Jesus was led like a lamb to the slaughter, but he was killed. We've recounted what happened in some of the things that happened in Matthew 27. He was despised and rejected. The sinless, precious Son of God had set his glory aside and he was despised and rejected. He was stripped. He was spat upon. He was beaten. He was flogged. He was scourged had the flesh ripped from his back. He had a crown of thorns thrust upon his head. He, had, he was pierced, nails driven through his hands and feet. Later, a spear would be driven through his side. All the way through being mocked and derided and belittled. Even as he was gasping on the cross, they kept mocking him. As Christ was lifted up, pinned to that cross, hanging between heaven and earth, his life being offered up as a sin offering. But on that cross, Jesus was dying as a substitute for sinners. He was dying as our substitute. He who knew no sin, the lamb without sin, was giving his life for us. That is why Good Friday is so good. God's law demands payment for sin. And Jesus steps in the gap. Jesus steps in between you and me before God to, take, mate, to pay the price. We read it again. 
He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. On the Lord, the Lord had laid on him the iniquities of us. And when Jesus died on the cross, he died as the one being accused for your lies, for your adulteries, for your blasphemies. It all went on Jesus. Jesus willingly said, Father, on that day, place all their vile and filthy wickedness upon me and pour out your wrath upon me. Place your wickedness and my wickedness on him. On the cross, Jesus was being punished for the sins of his people. Punished. He is the one who makes our peace with God, which means he alone is the one who takes the wrath that should burn upon you. He says, make it burn upon me. And that wrath being satisfied, we have peace with God. The worst part of all that Jesus experienced, we see in verse 46 of Matthew 27, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He had suffered terribly up to that point. But that was the suffering that brought the greatest pain and agony. For he was forsaken so that you and I might not be forsaken. And the wrath of God burned upon him. And there at the cross, God's divine law was upheld. God was just. The crime had been committed. Our sins, a payment had to be made. And Jesus paid them. Nothing was swept under the carpet. God was just. And so this morning, let's remind ourselves to give thanks and praise to God for his grace and his mercy, which is shown at the cross. We don't deserve any of that. Jesus sweated drops of blood, knowing what was to come. And he bore that for you. He could have stayed in glory above that he went through that for you and for me. And it wasn't our plan. We loved our sin. Jesus went to the cross because it was the Lord's will to crush him, as we read. It was God's will to cause Jesus to suffer. The plan of salvation, the plan of your sins being washed away was all God. While you were still enemies of God, Christ died for you. While you loved your sin, Christ died for you. The cross was God's plan. Good Friday was God's plan. From before the creation of the world to show you love and grace. That day that we're remembering today, he died for your sins today. He died for the sins of all his people from the creation of the world to the end of the age. Christ knew you on the cross and he bore your sin. That God may show you grace and mercy. The Lord made Jesus' life an offering for your sin. And so as we sing, as we pray, we give thanks that Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. As he willingly laid down his life. The only reason we can know the forgiveness of sins today, that you and I can celebrate and sing and go home knowing we are utterly clean, and have no fear of the wrath to come is because of Jesus, because of Good Friday. 
We've got to keep on admitting to God that we're sinners by nature. We've got to keep acknowledging that we deserve to be punished for our sin. We've got to keep clinging to Jesus as the only place of mercy and keep believing, knowing, as God has said at the cross, the full payment is made for our sin and keep asking God to help us live a new life for him. Because we have that extraordinary words of Isaiah 53. God says, his righteous servant will justify many by bearing their iniquities. To be justified is to be declared righteous. When we come before Jesus, it means God sees you as he sees his son. God sees you as if you had never told a lie. As if you had never committed adultery. That you had never treated his name as worthless. That you had never sinned in any way the blood of jesus does what nothing else can do we get washed from the inside the blood of jesus though our sins are as scarlet enable us to be as white as snow and so this good friday remember who you are by nature remember that god is just and the sacrifice of jesus and remember it was all god's work his love for us. Good Friday is good because of the cross. And yet, sadly, if you were to walk out and talk to people, many, most would have no idea why Good Friday is so good. The day of judgment is coming when every person will have to come before the judgment seat of God. And if your sins have not been paid for, you will be found guilty. And you'll have to pay for them in hell. But we come to rejoice, giving thanks that in God's grace, he has brought us to his son in whom we have found refuge. We have no fear for what is to come. Glory awaits. Heaven awaits. The life with our Lord and Savior awaits. And so we sing, as we already have, in that old rugged cross stained with blood so divine. A wondrous beauty I see, for twas that old cross, on that old cross that Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for Jesus, the lamb. Thank you for his death on the cross. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for life everlasting. Lord, we want to give you all the glory and all the thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.